As we've had all, all year, all, all uh, month here coming up, we've had different friends and people that I've known through the years who are doing missions work around the world. Uh, Pastor Wally was incredible. If you missed that, you should catch it on podcast. A man on death row for sharing the gospel in Saudi Arabia. It, it's one of those kind of people you look at him and you're like, I am so proud to call that man friend. Uh, somebody who not only lived for the gospel, but was willing to die for it. And of course, uh, the Favuzas in Argentina. And then last week, Emily and Brian Griswold, and that she's going out and recruiting people to go to India. And I have two friends that I just twisted their arms and talked to them and said, would you please just come and be with us here this morning? And two, both of them are going to share. But my first friend is Miros, his name is Miroslav Toth. And he is a friend of mine from Bible College. My heart is full having seen so many different people I haven't seen in a long time. And Miro, um, was, Miroslav was in his freshman year, I think, when I was in my senior year. But when I tell you, like, what a man of God. Uh, first of all, I will never forget there are moments where God changed me forever when you would just play the piano. I don't even know if you still do that, but an anointed, anointed worship leader but he has a gentle confidence about him. And so he returned from here to go back to, to Czechoslovakia where he's from. And now my understanding is it's a multi-site campus, but here's the thing, in the midst of all of that, he went and did his PhD. And on top of that, yesterday he was telling me, now he's going into Budapest, Hungary for a couple of days a week with a burden to plan a church. Friends, I don't know if you know how this thing works, but usually pastors build a church and then they try to end it in comfort. And here he's expanding the kingdom of God. I, I just asked him if he would come and give us a window into that world. Could you welcome my dear friend, Miroslav, as he shares with us here just briefly before we open up the word. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Paul. When I came as a student uh, 20, almost 30 years ago, actually, we had five churches, five Assemblies of God churches or spirit-filled churches in the whole nation of Slovakia, five churches. Uh, Europe is a, an extremely needy continent as far as the gospel. Uh, the continent that once was a birthbed for the gospel and for revival has become a spiritually extinct, spiritually dead continent. In the nation of Slovakia, there is uh, roughly 0 0.5 um, evangelical Christians, 0.5% evangelical Christianity. Um, when uh, I was growing up, uh, the, the country was communist, and the revolution came when I was 16, um, and all of a sudden we had um, the opportunity to bring the gospel uh, to our nation, but the church was not ready. It was extremely small, it was miniature, it was embryonic, and it was not ready uh, to evangelize the country. And sadly, the wave of revival that, that happened is gone, and now secularism uh, settled into the nations of Central Europe. And we just need a fresh visitation. I do believe that the church is more ready now. Uh, and uh, the nation certainly is more desperate, more desperate for gospel now than it ever was. Um, so uh, after going back from Bible college, um, I, I went to the city where I 
would go to the high school uh, years before, and there was no church in the whole city of 50,000 people. And so we planted a church, uh, and then out of there, uh, a decade later, we felt the burden to go to another city of 100,000 people, again, with no Pentecostal church, and we planted a church there. And then from there, our church planted three more locations. Uh, and it's an amazing story, but, but still, uh, the need is so much uh, bigger, um, as, as there are literally... Um, dozens of towns and cities without any gospel witness. Um, and uh, more recently, a year ago, um, I, was, I was in Italy for a pastor's meeting, and I couldn't sleep the whole night, and, and God was just breaking my heart for the city of Budapest. And I was literally crying for the, this city. Um, before, you know, it didn't even cross my mind uh, that somehow we would be called to come to Budapest, but uh, at that time, God was speaking to me, and uh, uh, in the morning, I knew that we had a new call, that, I, that God is calling us to the city of Budapest. Well, my dad is Hungarian. Fifty years ago, uh, he was saved on his uncle's funeral. He was an alcoholic. Uh, he would play saxophone in bars and clubs and weddings and restaurants and getting drunk. And, but on this day, he heard the gospel um, in communist Hungary, and, um, and, and, and uh, he received Jesus. He went to a small Pentecostal church where his mother would take him when he was 10. Then his mom died two years later, and his life was dramatically changed. So he moved to Slovakia, got married to my mom, and the story continued. He was a pastor for um, uh, three decades, and now we feel God is sort of turning us back to my my dad's country to uh, Budapest, Hungary, a city of roughly three million people uh, that is a hub for Central Europe, uh, many nations living in Budapest, and we believe that God has to, that God wants to visit the cities of Europe uh, because that's where life goes from, that's where culture goes from, that's where education goes from. The influence comes from the European uh, metropolitan areas, urban areas like Budapest. And we're believing that God wants to raise a church that will reach not just the city of Budapest, but also the nation of Hungary and also the, uh, the many nations living in Budapest. Uh, it, is, it, is, um, it is an adventure. Uh, it's a crazy adventure for us. Um, we don't really speak the language. I'm taking lessons again. <laughs> but, you know, when God calls you, He will equip you. And we believe that, that God has a plan that is much bigger than us. And I just want to invite you to, uh, to cover us in prayer. Soak us in prayer because we need, we need a breakthrough in this ministry. At the same time, six years ago, we, we started the first Pentecostal Bible College in Slovakia. Uh, just to train a young generation of uh, young people for ministry, and uh, it's called Gateway College. So, hey, Allah, Assembly of God, we love you. We thank you so much for standing with uh, the church in Europe, and we just want to ask you and inspire you to pray for a fresh revival in, in, our, part of, in our part of the globe. The last one in our nation was 12 centuries ago. It's a time for a new one. Thank you so much. Love you, Paul. Hey, I, uh, I don't want to lose this moment. Probably you might not remember, but 
last year when the Sharess family was here in the front row, um, they began to share how the nation had been hit with a hurricane, how it was devastated, and, uh, and we were able to bless them. We raised $10,000 in one service, in an offering. And, um, you know, when we talk about unreached people group, it's a people who have less than 2% evangelical Christian witness. I heard, I don't know if you caught it, 0.5%. That's below the standard. This, this is somebody who is right in the front end. And I tell you what, I, we have so much to do today. We're not, we're not, we're not going to uh, do this right at this moment, but out the back, I'm, I'm just doing it. I'm pledging, we're gonna believe God. We're gonna give them $10,000 to the work in Budapest, Hungary. And I don't know if that's gonna turn into $5 once it goes through the Euro, but we can do this. It, this is this is this is this is a chance to put the gospel back into Europe and and to make a difference. And uh, I'm, I'd like for Miro to lead us in prayer for his country, for his people, and and that God would move on us. Amen. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Ten thousand dollars is nothing. It's amazing. I looked back over my budget this year, how much I personally wasted. How much I personally wasted. Imagine being in heaven, standing before hundreds of people saying, thank you. Thank you for getting behind that work. Thank you for doing that. I'm in here because they were there to share Jesus Christ. Amen? Would you stand with me? And we're going to pray that God would, God, who knows? What if you're, what if we go and visit Hungary? There's a couple of you that speak this language. I think I would go there. They kicked me out of the country, but... There's a cause for eternity. Let's pray. Let's pray. I can just say one sentence. This week, Nick Vujicic came to Budapest, the Australian evangelist with no feet and no arms. And he visited the prime minister. And the picture that the prime minister posted was Nick Vujicic praying for him. And the prime minister on his knees praying to God. That's close to a miracle in our part of the world. I know that God is doing something special there. Jesus, we ask that you would rent the heavens and that you would send the Holy Spirit again to Central Europe. We ask, Lord, that you would visit Europe again, that you would visit the cities of Europe again, that you would visit the young generation of Europe again. We ask, Lord, that there would be a fresh wave of the Holy Spirit in the nations of Hungary and Slovakia and Czech Republic and, and Poland and just all of the other Slavic uh, countries around and Central Europe. And, and we ask, Lord, that there would be a time of fresh visitation. We ask, Lord, that you would just stir a hunger in the, in the lives of those people. Father, And we ask that we as the church, we would be just ready to take the responsibility and to reach our cities and our nations with your message, God. God, we ask that we wouldn't have to say like Jeremiah that the, the summer is gone and the harvest is past and we haven't been saved, but that we would just get the harvest. We declare that the harvest is not here in four months, it is here now. Yes. That the fields are ripe for the harvest right now. Yes. And Lord, we also ask that you would just bless this church, that it would become a beacon of light to their communities 
and also a, a huge testimony and a role model to other churches in New England. Father, we ask that you would just bless and multiply the seed in this church, Lord, from the leadership to the last person. Father, we ask that all of them would be unified like one body, like one army, like one family. We bless them in the name of Jesus. And we give you all the glory today, Jesus, because you alone are worthy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Siéntate, por favor. It's the only other language I can say then this morning. See why I love them? My friends are your friends. I just, I just, we always say in the office, we're like, we don't have connections. We have friends, and they're beautiful, and they're bountiful. Just, my heart's full. I, I was, as I was listening to him lead us in prayer, and he was sharing that story about that, his tears going, I'm like, oh God, let me just catch those in a bottle. Uh, break my heart for here, the same way that your heart is broken for Budapest. Amen. It's an honor to have you. It's an honor to call you my friend. Thank you. Uh, today is the culmination of our whole missions month. And this month I sent out a letter to you. I just want to briefly share a couple of spots on this. But any of you who have been a part of our community here for any period of time, you're starting to catch on the big picture and the little picture. But we exist for four basic reasons that we would help people know who God is. Everybody deserves to hear the gospel. Everybody needs to know that there's a God in heaven who knows who they really are and loves them and wants to not only love them, but to forgive them and not only forgive them, but to journey with them. And when I say know God, I mean that you just aren't like, hey, you know, Lord, we're okay, we're good, or, you know, name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and you'll sit, stand, kind of know him. I mean, when your whole world's collapsing in and then you close your eyes and you're like, what am I gonna do? Oh God, that the presence of God walks in that room and reminds you that you are not alone. You are not alone. That's knowing God. We also exist to help you find freedom. I can pray all day long vertically. And this is the amazing thing after years of developing ministers and training them. The, the problem is, is that everybody wants to go to God with their problems and God with their problems. And they're like, forgive me, Lord, forgive me, Lord. And the Lord's like, I'm forgiving you, I'm forgiving you. Will you please start talking to other people so that I can help set you free? Because forgiveness is vertical, but freedom is horizontal. This is why it's called the body of Christ. And we need each other. This is why we have a counselor available to you. This is why we have small groups. And you were not meant to do like alone. You weren't meant to show up and leave so that if you disappeared, nobody knew that you were even here. You're beautiful. You're wonderful. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. You're a part of this community and God loves you and we're better together. And that's why you need to do the, the third thing, which is to discover purpose. Listen, there's no fingerprint the same. There's no snowflake alike. God made you the way you are for a reason. He's not asking for anyone else. He's asking for you. How many of you ever walk into a situation and you're just like, I just don't feel like I have it? All the time for me, all the time. And I'm reminded that God didn't call somebody else. He called me, which means that he knows what I'm not as much as what I am, and, and he has a purpose for my life. And you might be saying to yourself, I've been coming to this church for a little while, I don't know what's next, it's real easy. It's our next class that happens at nine o'clock, last room on the right, every week. There are four classes, you go through that, and it, it's designed to help you discover purpose. You see, I believe that God's gifted you. Everybody has at least one gift. Everybody has something to offer, and in that place, we wanna move you from that to making a difference because you weren't just put in this world to go through life. You weren't just put in this world to 
find God and discover freedom and know that, you know, you've got a mom that loves you and you have, you have a purpose, but you're called to, to take that purpose and make a difference and to share Christ with the world around you and to, and to help empower what God has. And that's a journey of becoming whole. And I just throw it out to you again, if you've never gone to a counselor, if you're in your life right now and you've got knots in your heart, you've got moments where you're waking up in the middle of the night with stress, you need to put a call to the office and say, I just need to talk to someone. We have some people who are just filled with God God's love and God's spirit to help you with that journey. But small groups do that too. In the letter that I sent out, I just simply said this, we're making a difference for eternity. And each year in October, we focus on missions, pledging a monthly gift called the Faith Promise. This is something we do. If you're here and you're new to this community, we don't want your money. We, we want to bless you. And I know that God's going to speak to your heart through the message and through what we do. But those of us that call this church, not only do we believe in knowing God, finding freedom, discovering purpose, and making a difference, but we exist to share the gospel to everybody out there who has never heard of it. And so we get behind missionaries like the Sharesses, people like, like Mural, and, and all the other people that have come through because we believe that nobody should hear the gospel twice if there are people out there that have never had the chance to hear it once. And everybody with me on that said, amen. And so in your giving in 2019 made a huge difference when Mozambique was wiped out with that hurricane and the Sharesses went back and we're like, how in the world do we pick up the pieces? It was you that gave that $10,000 that helped them rebuild what's going on there. It's us that have been getting behind people like Emily Griswold. It's us that actually have redirected resources to Pastor Wally Mangandal, and there are churches being planted in the underground in Saudi Arabia, in China, in Indonesia, guys like Don Buter, and more and more these people, my friends are becoming your friends, and you're seeing, man, there are people across that wall, they're not just pretty faces and nice pictures or pledge plaques. These are people who have left their culture and their community and say, I believe in sharing Jesus around the world. And let me tell you what, your gift that you've given this past year was not wasted. And I don't care if it was, you feel it's insignificant. You see, my heart is this as a pastor, is that every single one of us will do our part. I used to think that if somebody was really rich, that they were supposed to write the check. And wouldn't that be nice, right? Because they're supposed to do it. But no, you know what? then it would be that person doing it. It's not me doing it. It's every single one of us doing our part. You might be here and you might be an elderly person who is living on social security and saying, I don't know how I'm gonna do it. I just barely get by with food stamps and that, but I know this, that I love Jesus and I wanna hear, I want people to know what I've come to know and I can just make a faith promise of $5 a month. You know what, some cases that $5 a month is far more than what somebody would give out of their abundance. God wants every single one of us doing our part. So why should I give to missions above the tithe? Because of the Bahamas and the hurricane that hit there, because of what we shared with, with the Sharesses. But here's the thing is, is that I believe with all of my heart, God shows us through John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. You cannot love without giving, but I also believe with all my heart, you can't give without loving. And if that's the truth, this is a loving community because last year we raised and gave $101,000 to missions, not to our chairs, not to our carpet, but to sending and empowering people around the world to share Jesus. You did that, not me. We did that together as a community. And I've been told that for every $250, that's given to missions, one person comes to Christ, if you do the math about that. 
Which means that if today 25 people in this church pledge $5,000 a year, that's $415 a month, 500 souls will be in eternity because of that giving, just from that giving. That means that if 53 of us pledge $2,400 a year, $200 a month, 500 souls would be in eternity because of us doing that. That's if 105 of us said, hey, I'll give $1,200 a year, $100 a month, 500 souls would be reached along with our goal. Or even if we lowered it and said there's 210 people that gave $50 a month, that's 500 souls, that's reaching a goal of $125,000. You can't love without giving and you can't give without loving. And this is a very loving, godly community. And I believe with all my heart, through the grace of God, we are going to make a difference for eternity. We're going to do that together. Amen? And so what we're going to do here is, is I have a word that I really feel God's put on my heart for all of us. But at the end of service, uh, before we depart and pick up your kids, we have in front of you, some of you have got these and you've been praying over them. Some of you have the letters sitting on your desk and you're looking at these in front of you and you're like, what in the world is that? This is our faith promise pledge. And what we do here is we put a pledge, you could do it weekly or monthly. I tend to put it monthly. My wife and I do that. And uh, even as we were sitting in the pew, my wife was like, how much are we giving? You know, and so I was like, we're giving it money. She was like, okay. So here, know this, that if you're married, please don't write anything without talking to your spouse or you're going to get beat up. Um, she'll be like, that's your coffee money that's just gone, you know. But uh, we ask you to do this, to put the info on there, and then the, the sidebar here is a simple tearaway, and we just ask you to put the amount that you're making of promise by faith. By faith. Hear the word there, faith promise. Pledges. It, it's not a budget. It's, it's a blessing and a believing God because of the buy-in and the belief of what God's doing with this for eternity. Amen? Do you love Jesus? Do you believe he's the answer for this world? Do you think everyone should know him? This is how we do it. Until God sends you, this is how we do it. And uh, so at the end of service, we'll be walking through that. But if you'd pray with me here this morning, I'm gonna ask God to help me to get me out of the way and my words out of the way and that his word would get in your way and in your heart and in your life and you leave here encouraged and we'd see the beginning of a march towards our goal of 125,000 in pledges. Amen. Why don't you stand with me out of uh, reverence for the Lord one last time here. Thank you. Father, just like Emily said last week, I'm mindful you called me. I had thought that you'd called somebody else. I'd have thought that you'd put me somewhere else. But you put me here, and you're not a God of accidents, which means that it's my life, my voice, that you want to speak through here today. But it's your word and your spirit that changes us. So Lord, just take the simple imperfection of who I am and speak through with the amazing perfection of who you are. Challenge us, Lord. Challenge us. If I speak impressive, people will be moved because of my eloquence. But if you move by your spirit and speak to us, people will be moved by your presence. And that's what we want here today. We don't want to be pushed by guilt and shame or pulled by impressive speech. We want to be drawn by the power of the Holy Spirit. Draw us today. Let that prayer begin to be answered, even as I pray it now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Anjuseo. That's how you say it in Korean, by the way. That's siéntete, por favor. Hebrew is shuvalakise.
And the way we used to say it in my neighborhood growing up, yo, sit down. So, listen, I, this is in my heart. I feel, I, feel, uh, I want to, I'm going to get to my verse in a second, but this is the theme here we've been talking about. And it's Acts 1, 8, and this is Jesus. Before he leaves and ascends into heaven, before he wraps up what he did on this earth, he turns to his disciples and he said, listen, all authority has been given to me. I'm going to pass it to you. And the things that I did, you're going to do greater works. That means that God can do great things through us, not because of who we are, but because of who he is through us. And he said this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And then he ends it by saying, and to the uttermost parts of the earth, to the ends of the earth. And when you look at this uh, Bible verse, it doesn't say to every country. It says to every ethne in Greek, which means te ethne, which means to every ethnicity. You know what the thing that I love about my church here, and I call it my church because this is my church, not that I own you. I'm a part of it. I'm with you and you're with me. But in our church here together, there is pretty much every tribe and tongue and nation in here. I think I think the only group that I don't see as a part of our community is an Asian community, right? We have Africa, African Americans. We have people who are Portuguese, Portuguese speaking and Brazilian and European. And, uh, and we have all kinds of groups of people here. When we talk about our church, we're an American church. We're in the country of America, but there are tons of ethnicities in here. And Jesus said, I'm sending you to every ethnicity. And here's the thing. There are 7 billion people in this world. Seven, I'm sorry, 7.5 billion people in this world. Out of that 7.5 billion people, there are close to 16, there are only 196 countries, but there are 16,000 ethnic groups. Let me give it to you this way. If you go to the country of Pakistan, we could say it's one of those 196 countries. That's one country, Pakistan. But no, it wouldn't be easy. If you could speak the Pakistani language and you were willing to go there, your work just began because not only is it one language in one country, there are over 50 different ethnic groups in that one place called Pakistan. 50 different languages. And when Jesus said that his name and his gospel should be preached to all people, he said to every ethnicity everywhere, which means that the church exists to help empower the message of Jesus to reach every ethnic group wherever they may be. And even now, there are not only places in Europe where, where Miroslav is from, but even in places that, that we know of like like Saudi Arabia, where Pastor Wally talked about, but even in our own country, there are people here that are coming to us from those places where they couldn't hear the gospel, and they're here right in our backyard, and God wants to use us for them just as much as he wants to send missionaries around the world. 196 countries, 7.7 .7 billion people, and out of all of those people, 16,000 people groups, 40% of them have never heard the name of Jesus once. In other words, over 3 billion, hear me, 3 billion people, if all of a sudden they wanted to run in this room and say, I don't care what's going on, I just want to know who Jesus is, I want him to be my Lord and Savior, it's not possible because there's no church for them to go to. There's no missionary that's going to them. There's no witness of the gospel, and in many cases, there's no Bible in their language. This is what Jesus has left the task for us to do. He's left it to us to share his word. And he says it like this in Revelation chapter 3. If you flip through past that. 
He says it in Revelation chapter 3, verse 8. That's Alex, by the way. Do you see the muscles popping off of his back? From our, this was from our Guatemala missions trip. We're going back there again. There are flyers everywhere. Highly encourage you to join us, especially if you speak Spanish. But Jesus says this, I have set before you an open door. To the churches in the book of Revelation, Jesus wrote seven letters. He says, hey, there are seven churches. I want to say something to them. And what's really great about these letters is that, you, you, you know, the God of all the universe knows what we are and what we are, and he knows our thoughts, he knows our intentions, our motives, so there's no hiding from him. So he says, I'm going to just, I only have a short bit here. I'm going to say something to you. And he starts off and he usually commends them and says, you're doing this great, you're doing that great. You've held in there, you've held strong. And then he points out kind of like, the things in their life that need to change and lovingly and gently and in some cases directly and strongly, he speaks to the church and says, hey, this needs to change in your life. This needs to happen. And then he goes on and he gives the church encouragement and says, and here's what I'm going to do for you to help you get through this. And in chapter three of Revelation, if you turn there with me very quickly, I'm going to spring off of this verse, but I want you to hear this. About three years ago, do you remember... um, there was a, a pastor I bumped into at the World Trade Center. He was somebody who was on death row in Egypt, and his name, Daniel Messiah, and he was here, and his wife came up to me and said, I feel like God's given me a word for your church, and it was this. God has set before you an open door. God has set before you an open door, and I believe that God's going to help us understand what that means here for us, for us as a community. Chapter 3, verse 7, he's writing to the church of Philadelphia, and he says this, to the angel of the church of Philadelphia, the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who is what he opens, no one will shut, and what he shuts, no one will open. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, little strength, little money, little courage, little whatever it is that you may feel you lack. God knows that you lack that. God's calling it out and saying, I know that you have little, but listen, I know that you have little. And I'll say it one more time because I lost my spot. I know you were, (laughs) bless his heart. That's what they'd say in the South there. I know your works. Behold, I've set before you an open door. I know that you have but little, and yet, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Can I just say something to you? How proud it is as a pastor. I can't take credit for you because it's your life, but whether you're introverted or extroverted, whether uh, you feel gifted or not, this is a community that loves God and perseveres. And there are some people in here who have been hit very hard and they're still standing and they don't hate God. They love God. They have things that have been taken, you have things that have been taken away from you and people that have stood in opposition of you and yet you don't hate God, you love God. And I think God wants you to know this morning that I know that you have little and you yet have kept my word and how proud I am of you and how much I love you. And this isn't me. I'm saying that God loves you and he's proud of you. He knows what you've had to suffer. He knows. He knows. Behold, he goes on to say this, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews but are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down at your feet and they will learn that I have loved you. You know what? You might be in a position in relationships right now where people are kicking you to the curb, 
where people have unplugged you, where they say you're not welcome or here. But you know what? When you live faithful for Jesus, like many of the people in this community, God has a way of bringing things full circle, doesn't he? And he has a way of all of a sudden, the very people that were in opposition to you, they come back to you and say, I'm so sorry, I had that all wrong. And that's not the point where we're, we say, that's right. That's the point where we look at them and we say, you know what? It doesn't matter what, what, what the devil intended for evil, God intended for good. I'm not gonna take it personally. Because you have kept my word about patience and patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming in the whole world and those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast. Let me read that one more time. I am coming soon. Hold fast to what you have so that no one will seize your crown. The Church of Philadelphia, the Church of Lowell Assembly of God, you, your life, God knows what you've suffered. He wasn't the author of it. He wasn't the chooser of it. But he journeyed with you through it, didn't he? He gave you hope in the midst of it. Just when you think that it's never going to turn around and change, Jesus walks in and he says this to the church. He says, behold, I've put before you an open door. I've put before you an open door. Listen, church, on the bigger picture of things, let me just say this. Jesus has put before us an open door to bring the gospel of Jesus to those three billion people who don't have access to him through our giving and through our going. And here's the thing about doors, right? Uh, this is a, a, I got a lock on this, I'll show you. And so that thing's locked, right? I just wanted to see if I still got it. Booyah. See, while you're here in church, my friend's at your house right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he says this. He says, I've set before you an open door. What I open, no one can shut. And what I shut, no one can open. First of all, can I just tell you something? For your own personal life, you can't live at a closed door, but you can definitely die there. You can die over what you thought you were supposed to have access to, over what you thought you should have had, over where you should have gone, over who you should have married, over what promotion you should have had. You can't live at a closed door, but you will definitely die there. And I might be speaking to someone here this morning. Listen, Jesus sets before you open doors. And what he opens, he, he opens and what he keeps open, no man can close. But if the way is shut and you're praying and it's not going, can you just please move on.com and just get to the next thing? Because God's got good things for your life. You can't live at a closed door, but you can die at one. It's amazing how many people I watch and, you know, I mean, you've heard my story, right? I'm going to Africa, Zimbabwe, Harare. God's called me to the mission field. And the Lord's like, all right, I'm going to just blow your mind. No, you're not here. You're staying here in Providence, Rhode Island. And here I am in Lowell, Massachusetts. And like God redirected my life. But that's because I didn't stay at the closed door. I was looking for the next opportunity. Can I just tell you something? Nobody can keep God's best from your life. No man can take from you what God has intended for you. Nobody can run interference in you in such a way that it can't. Now, I'm not telling you that you won't face opposition and I don't want to think for a second here that if Jesus comes into your life, all your problems go away. But on the, on the contrary, sometimes it gets very challenging and difficult. But God is with you in that situation, amen? God never leaves you or forsakes you. And here's what God says. I have opened before you. I've given you, look. I've set before you an open door. Now, here's the crazy thing about open doors, right? Like it's opportunity. This is the thing is, is that that. 
that it's open. I could sit here and say, wow, I put all these things up here as reminders for me. Don't forget to talk about this and that and the other thing. By the way, what's next for your life? Next class, nine o'clock, last room on the right every Sunday morning. But um, I've said before you an open door. This is the other part, right? This is the part where, this is the part of Bible college where young Bible college students kind of, not picking on you guys, just talking about the broader one, but this is good lesson. Listen with your heart is that sometimes it's like, I don't know, is this what God wants for me? The door's open, man, go for it, right? I thought Africa's in Babwe Harari, I'm gonna go there, but the door that God opened for me was Providence, Rhode Island. So what did I do? I walked through it, I stepped into it. You can't live at a closed door, but you can die there, but just because a door's open doesn't mean anything unless you avail of it. You know what I've watched people do with doors? They've described how nice they are. They've looked at it, and then we're, then we're kind of like, well, I wonder what's on the other side. And I just, you just, listen, you just got to walk through it. Walk into everything that God has for you. He has set before you an open door. And you know what he set before us? An open door to get the name of Jesus to the three billion people who've never heard him once, to the point five people that are hanging on in 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 Czechoslovakia and in Hungary so that, man, that there isn't just a church plant over there, that there's a revival in the, in the country, that God changes that place and that God would do the same for us. And I believe when we make God's priorities our priorities and we make the kingdom's problems our problems, God works out things for us here where we're at. But he says, I open a door before you to the Middle East, to the refugee camps that Krista's at, to the underground church that Pastor Wally's overseeing. I mean, all of these places, all of these opportunities, God's using people. I'll never forget the open door that God gave to my friend's father, Sobi Malik. He was a missionary in Morocco. And he, at this point, there wasn't a really great Arabic translation of the Bible. And so he said, we're going to do a good translation and we're going to print it. But I know the second that I begin to print it, the police are going to show up. We're going to get arrested and we're going to get thrown out of the country or thrown in jail. But he didn't care. He, was, he felt a burden and a passion to share Jesus with the three, three billion plus people in Morocco that were there in that part of the world who are Muslims. And he says, we're going to print the word of God. And so the day that they're supposed to start the printing press, the moment that they flip the switch all of a sudden, he's saying, you know what? I don't care. Go to jail. I don't care. Get arrested. I don't care. And as he's about to pull the switch, he hears a noise outside. All of a sudden, it's a construction crew pulls up in front of his house and begins digging up the road. And here's the crazy part to this story. True story. This isn't an urban legend. This is my friend. We don't have connections. We have friends. We have many of them. And my friends are your friends. And Sobi all of a sudden gets up and he looks out and the construction crew's there and he just smiles and he goes, no problem. Flips the switch. Arabic Bible after Arabic printed Bible after Arabic printed. And here's the amazing thing. The second that he was done and flipped the switch, guess what happened? The construction project was completely done. God opens a door that no man can close. That's your God. That's your God. I've set before, listen, I've set before you an open door. Stop analyzing it and start walking through it. Yeah, in my imagination, my life was different. I had all kinds of ideas where I'd be financially, where I'd be ministerially. You were a church of 10,000. It was in Africa and it was awesome. But you know what? That isn't the door that God opened for me. But whatever door God opens for me, I'm walking through it like this and I'm going to do it because he's my God and he's your God. And if he opens a door, step out. 
Because what he opens, no man can close. We learned that with Wally here, didn't we? It's one thing to live for Jesus. It's another thing to be willing to die for him. That's my friend. That's your friend. That's a man who was willing to die for the gospel in Saudi Arabia on death row, and his wife turns around and says, by this time tomorrow, you'll be free. Bye-bye. And the minute, he didn't tell a couple of parts of his story, I have to tell you. Part number one, when they were beating him within an inch of his life, they demanded he write names of people in the underground church. In his delirium, he wrote out names and came to his senses, and they came back, and they threw the paper in his face and said, we can't find any of these people! And he opens it up, and he looks at it. You know what names were on there? Billy Graham, John Wesley. (laughs) I went out to dinner with them, and my wife and I went out to dinner with them, and they start telling a story. You know what the beautiful part of it is, too? They're human. They're real down-to-earth people. They're real people. They're our friends. I was like, I said to his wife, I go, I go, Maddie, what do you like to watch on TV? And she's just like, got the sinful look on her face. She goes, oh, I like Filipino soap operas. I go, okay, you're human, right? Listen, you're human. Listen, God might not call you to suffer for the gospel and be thrown in prison, but you can be as super, God will help you be the super, God does the super, you do the natural. All he's asking you to do is be more of you and just walk through the door because he opens a door that no man can close. And he closes the door. No man can open. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I've set before you an open door. Revelation chapter 3 verse 11 reads like this. I'm going to ask the team to come up too as well. The number crunchers. In Revelation chapter 3 verse 11 it reads like this. I am coming soon. Hold fast. Hold fast what you have so that no one, no one may seize your crown. Do you know there are five crowns in the Bible that are spoken of? Five. There's one for pastoring the flock. There's one for evangelism. But one of those crowns, you know what it's for? Those that are looking for the return of Jesus. I don't hear people talking about this anymore. And I don't even know if in your Christian journey you've heard this But the same Jesus who was crucified for your sins was resurrected. The same Jesus who was resurrected ascended into heaven. But the same Jesus that ascended into heaven is coming back to judge the earth in righteousness. And it's simple. It's not just he's going to say, did you do this? Yes. No. Yes. No. Jesus, help me. You're forgiven. No, no. He says that we're going to give an account of everything. An account. What did we do with what we had? I'll never forget this. I'm just going to wear this for a little while and feel the power if it's okay. I'll never forget this. When I was in Bible college, my freshman year, Ben Crandall, the president of the school, when he was a young man, he had a vision. He had fasted for 20 days and he had a dream. And in that dream, he was running across the world and he went through and he came into Europe and he came to the Berlin Wall and the Berlin Wall fell. Now, any of you that are over the age of 35 know the miracle that happened, the gospel, that was the most closed part of the world. Nobody went in, nobody went out. It was illegal. It was like the Saudi Arabia of the 80s. And he continued to run, and as he ran, he went in, and the gospel flooded into Europe. And as he ran into Europe, he finally saw that the gospel ran into China, and then he looked over his shoulder, and the sun had already set. 
It's that moment of twilight. No more day left. And the end came. And he said, over the edge of the earth, I saw fire engulf the earth. And that was it. It was over. And I'll never forget, we're in a passion and voice. I don't want to do it because it'd scare you the way he screamed it, but he screamed this. He said, it's twilight in the world. He goes, night's coming where no one can work. Jesus said, I must do the work of him who sent me while it's day because night comes when no, when, when, when no one can work. And he said, it's the end. Jesus is coming back. And then he goes like this. He goes, and the Berlin Wall will fall. And I'll never forget that because two days later, I turned on CNN. And everybody was at the wall kicking it over. And he looked at the entire school, and this is what began to draw people like Miral and people like Rick Jeruzic. He began to collect people from that part of the world who knew that language and began to open up and students coming over from that part of the world. And instead of us trying to catch on to what God was doing, we were ahead of the curve and we went into Russia like a force to be reckoned with. But can I tell you something? That wall is closing. And China is beginning to dawn in the underground church. But I'm telling you right now, as your pastor, I tell you in the name of Jesus, the wall to China will, will fall. The gospel will get in there. It's getting there in the underground church. But there'll be a freedom. But can I just tell you, the thing that concerns me the most is that it's twilight in the world. The end is here. Jesus is coming back. This isn't some made-up story. And Christianity isn't some religion that you can just feel better about yourself. This is about heaven. This is about hell. This is about eternity. This is about the risen Lord of Revelation. He shines like lightning. His feet are on fire. And all authority in heaven has been given by him to you. Don't let anybody steal your crown. There's a lady out there that wants it. There's a man that's out there that wants it. There's a career out there that wants it. There's selfish desires in your heart that wants it. Jesus said, hold on. I have opened a door before you that no man can close, but you stop examining it and you start walking through it and you hold tight to the eternal values. The eternal values. Don't let anyone steal it. Don't take your eye off of it. And you know what? I thought that that door that was open to me was supposed to be to Africa, Zimbabwe, Harare, but it wasn't. It was to Providence. I thought it was to a 10,000 person church and it wasn't. It's to us. But we, my friends, are making an eternal difference. And walking through that door doesn't mean necessarily that God's calling you to Czechoslovakia or Budapest, Hungary or Africa, or maybe it is Linda Arcan. I don't know where you are, but I can't wait to kick you out of the church and onto the mission field. Listen, listen. Some of you sitting in those seats, the Jacobs that were up here last week, they were just like you. They never did Bible college. They just did the world. And they're out there making a difference. Don't underestimate what the God of all the earth can do through your life. It was never about your talents and gifts. It was always about your willingness to surrender to him. I just don't have what it takes. You know what I sat here yesterday? saying, oh God, this isn't the, the place that I'd saw. This isn't the choice, but I want you to know I will do my best to walk through this open door with all of my heart. And there's another side to this story too. 
I thought I saw, I thought I saw Terrence come in here. You here, brother? thought I saw him in here yesterday. You know what my yesterday looked like? I'm standing right here putting up this door and Junior, God bless you. There's a crown for soul winning waiting for you, Junior. I'm standing here and he brings in every week. He's bringing somebody in and Terrence who we've been traveling with and journeying with for a while, struggling deeply. And he's like, I asked him if I could pray with him and I asked, is it okay if you close your eyes? And you know what? He's had so much difficulty in his life. He's like, pastor, is it okay if I keep my eyes open? Do you know what it's like to have a life that's so traumatized that you can't even feel safe closing your eyes in a church? I said, Terrence, it's really simple like this. Jesus said it in Revelation. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. See that he's the God that opens doors, but he's also the greatest gentleman in the universe. He doesn't invite himself in. And if you're anything like me in New England, right, we have, we have the little hole in there. We can see if it's you. And if, and if I don't want to see you, I'm just going to go to the other side of the house and pretend you aren't there, right? Or maybe I'll do this. You got those chains, right? What? Can I help you? You a Mormon? What? Huh? No, thank you. Don't want any. She says, hey, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door and invites me in, I'll come in and I'll sup with him. I'll eat with him. You know what's amazing? Nobody sits at the table and eats meals together anymore and talks about life. The most intimate connections with friends is always done around a table. Jesus said, invite me in. And here's what I'd like to do before we switch to pledge giving. This is a good use of our time. I think for some of you, you're looking at the door and you're analyzing it. Just stop looking at it and just start walking through it. Stop dreaming about the life you're supposed to have or you think you deserve and start living the one that God set before you. It's an open door. Stop worrying about not being enough because you never are going to be. I'm not enough. You're not enough. We're not enough. But he is all in all. He's everything. He's the God Almighty and he wants to work through you and, and, and say, it's okay. I'm going through this door with you. But there are some of us here today been hurt so deeply that trust is hard for you and you want to hold on to that control like Brian was talking about and that's really the problem you 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 have trust issues so deep you love Jesus and you know but you're just afraid to let him in because if you let him in he's going to take control and you're going to have to let go of it but it'll be the most beautiful surrender you ever allow in your life and I'd like to pray for you right now in this room. And if you join me, I'd like for all of us to join in this because I believe there are some people that need to pray this prayer here. And we're going to give them the courage and strength to do it. If you close your eyes and pray this with me. Dear Jesus, I struggle with trust. And I struggle with fear. I don't feel adequate. But you're knocking on the door. Lord, I open my heart. I ask you, please come in. Do life with me. Teach me to trust you. I already love you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Now help me live for you and share you with everyone I can. In Jesus' name. I think we do some people a disservice when I say you need to share Jesus you look at me and think oh it needs to be like that when I was here with with my friend I said it like this I said Jesus is knocking at the door and I realized you know what 
Stop trying to share rules and Bible verses and all that. Some of you, it's been a long time since you shared your story. You've got people that you feel like you want to share Jesus with and you don't know how. The reason is, is you're doing it all wrong. You've forgotten that it's really about you just beginning to tell them not what to do, but to tell them what, what Jesus did for you. Isn't he beautiful? Did he save you? Did he heal you? Did he help you? Listen, this is what we want for the three billion people around the world. This is why we do this day unashamed because I believe that everyone deserves to hear the gospel and you believe that too. Don't let anyone steal your crown. They want it. Don't pawn it off for temporary things in this world. Don't hold so tightly to your dollars that you lose your grip of eternal values. And for goodness sake, don't stay at a closed door. You'll die there. But my goodness, if there is an open door, it might not be the one you expected, but walk through it and trust that the God of all gods, the King of all kings and the Lord of all universes is going to walk there into your simple little world and walk and work all things together for good. Amen. Pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we switch now and we begin to take pledges here, do the impossible. Do above and beyond what we would ever ask or imagine. Lord, we're not looking for ridiculous, unrealistic pledges, but we're also looking to stretch our faith a little bit. We might have to believe you for it. Lord, we're not looking for people to redirect their resource of the tithe. We're looking for people to go beyond that and say, Lord, what you call gold, I call gold. What you call valuable, I call valuable. And if three billion people need to hear Jesus, Lord, if I can't go, I will definitely give and maybe even do both. Lord, help us as we make these pledges. In Jesus' name. Here's what we're going to do very quickly. We have a team of people all through here. Some of you have, have already done this and some of you are kind of trying to figure out what to do. But here's what we have. We have this part of it. It's in this pew in front of you. And we ask you just to write down, either you put it in a weekly or a monthly pledge and say, I believe in God to give this much a month. You put your name, address, info there. Listen, nothing's hidden with God and we're not measuring. You know what? There's going to be somebody here that's going to make a $5 a month pledge and they're going to give more than all of you because that's a sacrifice for them. We're not looking at that, but we can't step out in faith and say to people, we're sending $10,000 here or we're going to take on missionaries there. You can't manage what you can't measure. That's what this is about. And so if you would rip this half off and write this, and this is for you to put on your fridge, to put in your wallet. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to let the musicians play. And you in the crowd, as you begin to write those figures down, you just lift your hand and any of these wonderful, beautiful, handsome looking people are going to come up to you, grab that, bring it here. And we're going to have an ongoing total. And we're going to do the impossible in a short period of time. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you. And thank you as you believe God with us. Subtotal from first service so far, we have $10,000. So we already have $10,000 for Budapest, Hungary. $47,000 so far, $47,000, $61,000, Gang, you're doing this. We're doing this for Jesus. $70,000 and they still have a stack. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you would just take every pledge and help us to stick with it and to stay with it. And Lord, we pray that, Lord, that no matter what comes in, whether we hit 125 or, or not, 
Father, I pray that every year that we would increase and every day you'd increase our heart for the lost. Make us a church, Lord, that, that has a heart for those who don't know you. And God, I pray that every dollar that's being pledged, that it would be handled with respect and integrity and dignity and that every dollar would be a soul, Lord. Don't let $250 be a soul for us, Lord. Let every dollar be a soul in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. So far between our two services, we are at $81,776 for the glory of God. Amen. We have some people that are still praying. Someone came up to me this morning and said, hey, pastor, we, we haven't, we're figuring out where our budget is. Their whole life expensive has changed, but we're going to believe God and whatever comes in, we're going to glorify him with it. And so I want to say thank you. Thank you for being the kind of church that you are. Listen, God can help you. God can help you stay faithful to the promise that you made. Amen. Let's stand here real quick and pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for what you've done here today. Lord, help us to know and be reminded that you have set before us an open door. And what you open, no man can close. Our options, our opportunities, our blessings, our happiness, they're not in the hands of other people. They're in the hands of you. Nobody can keep us from God's best except us. And so, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that your church would go out celebrating this week. That, Lord, as we transition from here to the banquet, that we would laugh together, that we would love together, that we would eat together. And Lord, please help us clean together. We just thank you for a wonderful community you call Lola Assembly. We love you, Jesus. Now help us love each other as we go and share in this banquet. In Jesus' name, amen.